When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We often think that successful business owners have it all figured out, when in reality, there is so much more to it. How do they do it? And I just think, look at it as an opportunity. Sometimes you need that push to, uh, otherwise you'll never do it. So yeah, it was kind of choosing a name that gave the illusion of that you're something bigger than you are, which is what I did. You just gotta get out there and learn by your mistakes, really. Welcome, listener, to Beyond the Balance Sheet. I'm Ashley Bloom, and I'm your host. In this podcast, we're going to be talking to a load of business owners who tell us their best pieces of advice if you're starting a business and how you can use that advice to truly make a success of what you're doing. This week, we talk to Stuart Roberts, Managing Director of Icon Building Consultancy. We had an amazing chat about his decision to start a business during the last UK recession in 2008 and why scaling up doesn't always have to be the priority when starting your own business. Stuart, welcome to the Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. I am so pleased that you were able to join us and I know that your story is going to inspire and resonate with so many of our listeners. So to kick things off, I'd love to hear who you are, what do you do, why do you do it? Okay, well, I'm Stuart Roberts. I'm 52. I'm a charter building surveyor. I left school at 16, only with a couple of O-levels. I wasn't very academic, but I did have an interest in the built environment. Not, not particularly architecture, but kind of had an interest in surveying, love looking at buildings, sort of still do today as I did, you know, 30 odd years ago, which is, which is great. And why do I do it? Well, it's a living as we all need to, to earn a living, but I've not had that many jobs. I've, I've tended to only stay with companies for about seven years. I kind of get the seven year itch. First two to three years is great. Next couple of years is okay. And then the last two to three years, kind of hate my boss and <laughs> want to change jobs. But about well, nearly 11, 12 years ago, decided to, to set up on my own. So my company's Icon Building Consultancy and still doing you know, commercial building surveying. But I don't have a boss uh, to, to bitch about anymore. So <laughs> you started Icon Building Consultancy in 2008 during the last recession. That's right. Yes. Why and how would you decide that during a recession is the right time to set up a business? I know. I, I often wonder why I did that because I resigned from my job in I think it was about the October November. 2008. So I didn't actually start trading until 09. But I was working for a company 
that were really struggling. I mean, they, they'd expanded very quickly from about 12 or 13 people from when I joined them to about 60 at the height of the, well, just before the recession. Mm -hmm. And they started laying people off. I was one of the directors, so I took a quite a substantial pay cut. And it was doom and gloom. It was awful. But they were predominantly a project management consultancy. And my sort of small division was building surveying. And the thing about building surveying is it's a very broad profession. It's, you, you kind of do lots of different things as opposed to project management, which kind of relies on major projects. So I, I was still really busy. And I had a handful of clients that kind of said to me, why don't you leave? So I spoke to two or three clients that kind of said, well, we'll support you. And it was a very simple um, sort of analogy, really, because at the time, I had about three or four surveyors working for me. But because I was a director and I was involved with all sorts of admin, I wasn't actually doing very much surveying. I was mm -hmm. kind of, the clients were getting my sort of junior surveyors, which they didn't like. So when I left or when I set up on my own, I said, look, basically, I'm going to go out on my own. I will do all your work and it will be half the fee that you were paying to my other company. So it was, it was kind of a no-brainer, really, because they could get me doing their work for less than they were paying. So I kind of sort of prepared a business plan. I thought, well, can I really run a business on a handful of clients? So I looked very carefully at the type of work that those clients could, could give me, what kind of fees I could earn from that. Then I looked very carefully at my costs. And I kind of realized that I didn't actually need that much money to survive initially. I you know, pay the mortgage, buy the food, the usual essential things. When you're on your own, it's surprising how far the cash goes. You know, when you're working for a big company, you see money just get wasted on, you know, admin and all, all yeah, kinds sure. of things. So I did a kind of a, I think it was a five-year business plan, but it was a quite a detailed monthly profile of income expenditure. And um, I looked at the work that just these initial clients would give me, and I, I realized that I could, I could survive. But then I thought, well, once... I'm out there working, work will just, will just follow from other, as it always has done, really. Once you're out there, I've always said the best kind of marketing is just doing a good, giving a good service to a few clients because Definitely. those clients come back, repeat business is the best kind of work for me, or they'll recommend you to somebody else. And, and, and that's exactly what happened. So within six to nine months, I was pretty much full capacity. And in fact, I took on my first surveyor after about 12 months, who was actually a guy yeah. that was working for me at my other company, and, and he's still with me now. And then once there was two of us, it kind of mushroomed from there, really. I you know, started yeah. getting more work. Once you've got somebody working for you, and then I think a year later, I took on somebody else, and we've kind of stayed that size, really, just keep it nice and tight and, and just give a good service to a few clients. Well, I've been trading in my 12th year now, and I've never looked back. So I think the recession in 08-09 gave me the push that I needed, really. Because uh, probably if, if things were slightly different, I probably would have stayed at the company. Or maybe if they hadn't yeah. cut my salary, I probably would have stayed. I didn't really want to leave because it was very, very daunting. And I guess people are probably going through that now with COVID because there's probably lots of people that have been made redundant. And I just think, yeah, look at it as an opportunity. Sometimes you need that push to, uh, otherwise you'll never do it, you know. Definitely. You mentioned that when you first set up your business, there were a lot of things that you thought about 
in terms of making sure that your new business looked professional and looked kind of more like it had been around for longer as opposed to just a startup business? What were some of those things that you did that helped you look to clients or new clients like you were already very much up running and established absolutely yeah that's a great question i mean because i wanted to do commercial building surveying i wasn't the kind of surveyor that was going to be doing house surveys and kitchen extensions for domestic clients i needed to be working for commercial clients i mean we're not talking corporate bodies but we are talking about they're often developers investors landlords occupiers and they're probably unlikely to want to give work to some guy working out of his back bedroom on his own. <laughs> so the first thing I did was decided a name that kind of looked bigger than it really was. So hence Icon Building Consultancy, as opposed to Stuart Roberts Associates, Stuart Robertson Co. or something. So that was kind of first thing. And of course, deciding a company name isn't just as simple as that because you've got to get a domain name that nobody else has got. I decided to trade as a limited company, so you need to check with company's house. And because I'm a chartered surveyor, I had to check with my professional body, the RICS, to make sure there wasn't, because you might find there'd be a, a surveyor with the same name that's not a limited company. So there was some, some basic checks that I had to do before I set up the company. So I had, I had my company, which sounded bigger than it really was. I got a friend of mine to, to do a, a website. It doesn't need to say much. It's just kind of a bit of a homepage. But again, it looks professional because otherwise people type your name into Google and it doesn't come up. It looks a bit suspicious. So, And then I also didn't want to have a residential address because that would look bad as well. But I couldn't afford an office and even a serviced office would still be expensive for a startup. But most serviced offices will do kind of a virtual office there was a service office up in bishop stortford which i think for 50 pounds a month you get kind of a pigeonhole but you get their office address for your headed notepaper you can't you can't use it as a registered office so my accountants were, were the registered office but nevertheless it gave the right impression because it was a commercial address they had facilities up there for meeting rooms there were secretarial services there was a coffee shop and it was actually quite nice to go up there pick up post and get things copied and things like that. But the other thing I did also was I registered for VAT from day one, which obviously you don't need to do because the threshold, whatever it is, 85,000, 80, I wasn't sure I would do in the first year. But I didn't want to be sending my first invoice out with no VAT because, again, people would think, what kind of business is this? And I didn't realise this, and obviously speaking with my accountant, yeah, you can that the Inland Revenue would be more than happy for you to charge yeah. VAT from day one. And because my clients were commercial, I knew it didn't matter to them, as opposed to if my client base was uh, domestic clients, then, you know, I'm 20% more expensive than the next surveyor. So, yeah, it was kind of choosing a name that gave the illusion of that you're something bigger than you are, a commercial address, registered for VAT. And the rest of it was was kind of me then, just get some business cards and go out and yeah. kind of sell yourself, really, which is what I did. I think they're really, really good tactics. Obviously, every business needs a different setup, and that's why it's so important to speak to somebody that professionally can advise you on that. I do think it's a really, really, really good piece of advice for anyone starting out that if you get your setup right, then it's the way that people interpret what you're doing rather than the perception of your business and the scale of your business sometimes over the reality. The other thing also is that the way technology has moved on. I mean, when I started in this business, 
you know, every, all surveyors were very heavily dependent on secret, secretaries to type reports. And yeah. You'd print reports and you'd get them bound and you'd post them. And what I found when I set up on my own is for not very much money, you can buy yourself a computer, some software. And if you've got that background, you know, working for big companies that producing good quality, nice looking documents, you know, you, you could produce these kind of documents literally on your kitchen table, which is what I did when I set up. Uh, and it didn't even need to print stuff out because it's just PDF, email, bang. I mean, most people don't expect hard copies of reports anymore. Exactly. I guess many business owners do everything they possibly can to scale and grow. However, from our chats before, I kind of got the impression that growing your business to be this like 50 person team, similar to the company that you were working with before, wasn't really what you aspired to do. So when you first set up your business, what was your goal? What were you trying to achieve? That's absolutely right. I mean, the, the, the firm I used to work for, I, I joined them when they were 10, 12 people, and it was a really nice, friendly company. And the two guys that owned the business had these grand plans to be big. And I guess this was back in the day when there was lots of mergers and acquisitions of professional service firms, which I don't think is, is really the same t today. It was a big facade. They had offices overseas. There weren't really offices. Most of them were just hotel rooms, you know. And I just gave this illusion of, of being some big corporate global surveying practice, which they, of course, weren't. But what, what I did find is when they grew to 60 people, the two guys that owned the company weren't earning any more money than they did when they were 12. And the stress that they were under was phenomenal. I mean, I think at one point their salary bill each month was about 250000 which is fantastic when the income is there. But as they found out in you know, 07, 08, it only takes a downturn in the, in the market and you can run out of cash. So I never really wanted that, that kind of stress, really. I really enjoy going out looking at buildings. And the guys that own that company didn't do any fee-earning work because they're effectively running a business. And I didn't want that either. Also, I only really had a handful of clients that supported me when I left and set up on my own because they wanted me to do their work. They didn't want me to end up with this 20, 30 strong firm where they don't, because that's what they had that before. And they, uh, yeah, sure. So I kind of, I never wanted to be on my own. I, I, being literally a sole practitioner, I didn't want to do at, at the time. So my, my business plan really was to to employ two or three people. It's pretty much what I've done. I mean, only actually employed one person full time, but then I've got three or four freelance people mm -hmm. that I've known for many years. I could pick up the phone and they could work for me. I've got, you know, agreed hourly rates. I find that much better. So if a big project comes in, you know, I can go to a meeting with three or four people, which is what you need, you know, resource wise for a, a bigger project. But when the work's not there, you don't have the cost. So a lot of people now are probably thinking about shifting from employee or management level to starting their own business. As you mentioned earlier, with the COVID-19 lockdown, a lot of people have been made redundant. So we'll be considering starting their own businesses. So you were obviously a very senior management role in your previous company. But with that said, there is still a shift between being an employee, even at a high level or director level, to being a managing director and having your own business. Mm. What were the biggest challenges and changes when flipping from employee to MD? 
I mean, in my last firm, although I was a senior director, I wasn't a, a shareholder of the business, which is always a problem, really, because if you haven't got that equity, you're kind of always thinking it's a bit like, you know, renting a house, really. You think, well, I, never, I don't actually own it. And, and at the time, the two owners were thinking about selling. And I thought, where, where is that going to leave me? You know, I could end up being swallowed up in this big corporate organization. They'll be okay because they've got the shares, they, they get the money. I think the big change for me really was when I went out on my own is that this is my money now. But when I took on my first employee and I'm now responsible for somebody's salary, that, that, was, yeah. that, was, that was quite tough. You know, you think, well, actually, uh, somebody now relies on me to pay their mortgage and buy their food, which, of course, I never had before. So that's a bit more of a challenge, shall we say. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad because initially I just had one employee and I and took him on because I, there was there was enough work there so I never there was never a situation where how am I going to pay his salary this month that, that never happened I think the other thing that I'd not had an experience of also was just that business admin I'd, I'd never done that returns I'd never done bookkeeping because there was always someone else that, that did that yeah and also when I got my first office it's like well who's going to go and buy the, the tea bags and who's going to run the, the vacuum clean around you know there's all yeah. these things and, and there's been many a day where I think I literally do everything you know I go and get the milk I empty the bins but it's kind of that's what you do when you work for yourself you know and it's not it's not a big issue really but I think it's interesting that you say all of that because most business owners they've, they've not gone to a business school to learn how to run a business so they don't really consider the admin side of it, the cleaning, all of that sort of stuff is the stuff you don't think about. You think, oh, yeah, I'll be a business owner. I'll make money and I'll, you know, I don't have anyone to kind of report to. It's, it's all up to me. But then the rest of it that comes with it mm. tends to be more of the surprise, even though it's, it's so obvious that that stuff comes with. It's the nature of the beast, isn't it? I actually found it quite exciting, you know, as long as there's cash in the bank. I think that's the yeah. crucial thing. So I think it's important that you set up your business, structure it in a way that you know, you're not spending lots of money. I mean, it's good. It's different for me because I'm a professional service firm. So it's just me. It's my time, really. I think it'd be different for, for businesses that perhaps, you know, make things where they've got you know, lots of costs that they need. I never had that. I mean, when I started, it was just really my salary. That took a bit of pressure off. There's lots of help out there. I mean, my accountant gave me, I think he gave me a, a basic spreadsheet for for bookkeeping i mean the last time i did bookkeeping was for you know when i was at school but of course it's a lot easier now because of the online uh, accountancy packages that are, are very simple to use if i was setting up a business today probably the financial side of things and bookkeeping is is a lot easier i think you just got to get out there and learn by your mistakes really if you're struggling to lose weight you've probably heard about weight loss medications like wigovi or zepbound and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Speaking of mistakes, what would you say there are any kind of big mistakes that you've made in business and starting up your own that you're pleased you've made because 
they've kind of shifted the way that you've done things or I guess the toughest challenge that you've been through that you're pleased you've been through because you've learned from it yeah oh actually I did forget to pay my VAT because I was on holiday and I just completely lost a month of my life I, I'm not quite sure how it happened and, yeah uh, I should have paid it I think it was the 7th of June or something and I for some reason I thought it was 7th of July and then as you can imagine I got a, a rather unpleasant letter from uh, HMRC and no one wants a letter from HMRC no no but I quickly paid, paid them some money and uh, I'm sure I've been tagged so now I put it in my diary so uh yeah big mistake (laughs) and then when it comes to client experience I mean you've often mentioned before that client experience for you is absolutely crucial because you said yourself earlier that you know getting client referrals and also repeat work from clients is the best form of doing your marketing kind of thing and in that respect do you find that having your own small business versus large working for a kind of large corporation has a better impact with regards to client experience and the experience that your clients receive? Yeah, I do because most of my clients are the same people that that pay the invoices and that's that's quite important and and they they know I'm a small business. I'm not some corporate organization with loads of cash and I've never had a a problem with with invoices most of my invoices get paid within 14 days and I think it's because you're speaking to the clients on a regular basis and providing you give them that good service most clients will just pay your invoice straight away that's fantastic especially because credit control can be such such a huge problem for so many businesses and recovering old debt and that sort of thing so you've hit the nail on the head which is if you've done an incredible service why would people not want to pay you yeah when it comes to your biggest success so far what's the thing that has happened since you set up your business in 2008-2009 that you are most proud of i managed to, to buy my own office building this this year i've been renting it for the last four years it's a three-story office building and I, I rent the middle floor and the guy who owns the building or did own the building is was on the ground floor and when I rented the building we kind of had a gentleman's agreement that when he retires he'd sell the, the freehold to me because it's so it's a three-story building so and there's another tenant upstairs I always saw this be a fantastic investment because I don't want to be paying rent to a landlord for the rest of my working life and it's income producing i can occupy one floor and get the rent from the other two floors that to pay for it so i kind of started thinking about this so two three years ago as a bit of a part of my exit plan if you like really a sort of a retirement plan how could i do this so i spoke to my accountant and lawyers and so forth and financial advisors and i didn't realize the um with pensions that you can pay up to forty thousand pounds a year as, as contributions and that's per employee so my wife is co-owner of the business who hasn't been paying into a pension at all and you can backdate it three years so over the last two to three years i've been pulling cash out of the business putting it into it's called a SAS pension so it's it's a private pension that's designed for acquiring commercial property and of course, that's had a major benefit in reducing my corporation tax bill because contributions are tax deductible. And we actually completed on the on the acquisition back in, it was actually the day before lockdown, it was Friday the 20th of uh, March. And that's basically been bought through company money that I've acquired over the, over, you know, the last few years, sort of channeled it out of the business into a, a pension. The pension fund owns the property. 
And of course, I now pay rent to to the pension fund, which which is owned by my wife and, and, and me. I mean, when I'm 55, I can obviously start drawing out the cash. So at the moment, I can't touch the money. But that's fine. I don't need the money at the moment. But to be able to do that purely from cash in the business. I mean, if you'd have asked me 10 years ago, would you, would you have the money to, to buy? Because I mean, I paid for... Or thirty for it, so it wasn't wasn't cheap. And to be able to do that without a mortgage was was incredible. And I've now got that as a, as an investment, as a, as a pension as well. It's not easy. I mean, uh, commercial property doesn't come onto the market very often. I mean, not not these kind of small investments because they're, they're they're popular. Most deals, from what I can gather, get agreed over you know lunches and handshakes and things. So so I think that's probably my biggest success. Yeah. Definitely. And also, I think that's the point. This podcast is beyond the balance sheet. And the reason being is that it's all about the things outside of, you know, as you said, landing a big commercial client or whatever it might be, that you're just incredibly proud of because it was something that you've always wanted to achieve and through the business you've managed to. If you had one piece of advice that you were given to somebody starting a business, what would that be? And more importantly, somebody who's starting a business probably during this recession? I think you do need a, a business plan. For, for me, it was what type of surveying could I realistically do, you know, from my kitchen table on my own? Who would employ me? You know, who would my clients be? So I think it's important to, to find out what it is the service that you're proposing to offer, who's likely to, to want it and, and what they would pay for it, you know, so, so, you, so you can kind of quite quickly work out your, your income from how much work am I likely to be able to do in the first few months? Who, who are my clients likely to be? Then, of course, you need to look at your costs. So whatever your outgoings are at the moment, mortgage, rent, whatever. And then it's a very simple spreadsheet, really, just, just a sort of cash flow type spreadsheet to see uh, if it works. And, and I mean, I had no money, really, when I set up. I, I, I borrowed five grand off my mum just to go and buy you know, a computer and a printer and some software and a bit of furniture and some surveying equipment. I'm quite fortunate my business doesn't need a lot of you know, capital investment. But nevertheless, I, I needed to know, I needed a few thousand. And, and all, you, all you're doing is just, uh, you know, just doing a good job for people because you'll, you'll get the referrals, the recommendations and the, and the repeat business, I'm, I'm sure. And I think it's having that sort of that desire to succeed has, has got to be far stronger than any kind of fear of failure. You've got to be so positive. I, I wanted to set up my business probably 20 years ago, but I didn't have the clients 20 years ago. Didn't probably have the experience. It's not just about writing a survey report. You've got to go and sell yourself and win new business, which is not something that many young surveyors get the opportunity to do. But of course, you've got to do you know all of that on your own when you're when you're working for yourself so 20 years ago I, I, I kind of didn't feel like i had those skills our son was very very young and big mortgage so there was there was all that financial risk of oh what if what if but when i got to into my when i was 40 our son was was obviously older then and i didn't have the same financial pressures so i, I was a bit braver really to, to do it then and bravery is key right because yeah. you, you do with with side of business you do have to be really brave because you don't know what's going to happen but i do think if i hadn't have done it when i was 40 there would always be that what if you know i, I could have done it or what would have would it have been like if i had have done it and like you say you'll never know if you don't try so you know what have you got to lose and, and unfortunately i think a few people will be losing their jobs later this this year because of 
you know, Corona and it might just be the push that some people that need. Definitely. And my last question would just be what's next for you? Yeah, but well, I've been working, say, since 1985 is when I left school. So 35 years is a, is a long time. So, yeah, I am looking forward to retirement allotment type stuff but more just not not having to work every day which which the 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 property the commercial property will give me that 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 freedom so my my plan really the next sort of three years is just pretty much carry on as i've got my half a dozen key clients that i enjoy working for It's, it's good good enjoyable commercial work so carry on doing that Try not to spend too much. And, and don't forget to pay your VAT bill. Uh, maybe a bit of tax as well, <laughs> in, uh, corporation tax. That's been amazing. Thank you so much, Stuart, for joining us on Beyond the Balance Sheet. Pleasure. That was great. Oh, good. Wow. What an inspiring conversation. I think the best taking from that is that it's absolutely fine if you want to start a business and only grow it to a level that you feel comfortable with, as your priorities might be having a comfortable, stress-free work-life balance over building a large corporation. It also just shows that even during a recession, if you have an idea that you believe in, you can make a success of it. Take the plunge and go for it, as there never really is the perfect time to start a business. If you liked this episode, go have a listen to the rest of the series. We are Raffingers and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn at Raffingers. Alternatively, you can check out our website www.raffingers.co.uk. I've been your host, Ashley Bloom, and this has been Beyond the Balance Sheet.